Good morning. It's my privilege to lead us in corporate prayer this morning. Um, during the week, I've just been contemplating the greatness, the goodness, just the wonder of our Lord. So I'd like to start with just a couple of verses. The first one's from Revelations 15. Great and marvellous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. And following on from that, a verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, God of love who created us, who every moment preserves and sustains us, we acknowledge you as Lord. Thank you for the opportunity and the freedom to worship you, to meet together with others and to feel the warmth of your embrace. Thank you that in fellowship with you we can put aside the uncertainties of this world and rest upon the certainties of your kingdom, knowing that your promises are unchanging, immovable and eternal. Thank you that we can bring to you all our hurts and fears. Thank you that we can acknowledge your presence with us. As we acknowledge your presence with us, we're transported from a world of concerns and fears to a place where we can be at peace despite outward circumstances, a place where we can find healing, wholeness and refreshment. Lord, we have so much to give thanks for. Forgive us for the times we don't stop to acknowledge who you are and what you've done. Help us to set our eyes and our hearts on you afresh every day. Renew our spirits. Fill us with your peace and joy. We truly need you. Without you, we are nothing. Lord, at this difficult time as our nation struggles against the COVID virus, we pray for our political and civil leaders and those in the health services. We thank you for our Prime Minister, Mr Scott Morrison, and his open confession of Christian faith. Thank you for our Premier, Mr Stephen Marshall, for the Chief Public Health Officer, Professor Nicholas Spurrier, for the Police Commissioner and the State Coordinator, Mr Grant Stevens. May these leaders and all who support them be given special measures of your wisdom, discernment. Lord, we bring before you the suffering that we see around the globe. In the midst of a misery arising from the COVID pandemic, we pray for those also facing war, starvation and natural disaster. Lord, we pray for those people displaced from their homes and stuck in refugee camps. We think of others facing physical abuse and exploitation. We think of those who have no access to clean, safe water 
and those without adequate food, things that's so easy for us to take for granted. Lord, our world faces so many horrific things. Have mercy on those affected and help us never to become hardened to the suffering of others. Lord, show us how we can provide care and support, whether through prayer or finances or other means. Lord, we pray for those who are struggling in our local community, those facing long-term and chronic issues, those facing new and unexpected challenges, financial stress, lack of direction in life, unemployment, homelessness and illness. Lord, only you can provide true answers to these complex issues. Lord, have mercy. May those suffering come to know your presence with them. Lord, each day may we be drawn closer to you, living our lives in awe and reverence of your lordship and love. May we be filled with your Holy Spirit and have a clear vision of what is right and true and the courage to live by it. May we be witnesses to our faith in word and deed and show others your love. We pray all these things through your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Thank you so much, Anthony. It's wonderful to pray. We are a praying church. Um, And as I say most weeks, um, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit is at work (laughs) behind the scenes, uh, putting things together, uh, because Anthony didn't know what I was going to share about, um, and yet his prayers really spoke into the theme of this morning. where he used uh, from 2 Corinthians. uh, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. And he spoke about that in his his prayer as well as we focus on him and and his wonder. Uh, The things that we stress over and things that we think about grow strangely dim, and that's what we're going to be speaking about this morning. In fact, as an intro to uh, my message today, uh, we we're looking through uh, internet to think about some creative ways we can we can do praise without singing. And I came across this uh, video, which basically steals my thunder in three minutes. Uh, it's a spoken word, uh, and, and it's just amazing and powerful. And so, I wanted to show this video as a bit of an introduction to what I want to share this morning. Have you ever found it ironic how the things we try so hard to avoid end up being the very things that trap us and drag us down time and time again? You see, I identify with Paul when he says, I do not do what I want to do, but I do the very thing that I hate. Isn't it ironic? We stare our sin right in the face and say, don't come near me, don't tempt me, don't even look at me. But because we are looking at it as hard as we try not to, we end up falling into the very thing we hate. Where are your eyes? 
you keep them on the ground under your feet where your sin is found, you find that your gaze is continually facing down, look up. Oh brother, oh sister, oh mother, look up. Oh son, oh daughter, oh father, what makes us think we can fix ourselves and place an idol of our pride up on the shelves? Like if we can only focus enough energy, we can defeat our enemy? It's only in him, it's only in Christ. Wake up, oh sleeper, your efforts won't suffice. It's time to fix our eyes. I'm so sick and I'm so tired of having these weights create a wall between me and my creator. I know, I know it's because of the fall, but we can't just blame Adam and we can't just blame Eve. Have you ever been blameless on your own? If you think so, you've been deceived, but I won't sit in this sickening sin or stare it down for one more second. I will strip it off. I will throw it off. I will run into the other direction, into the outstretched arms of the sun. I will run so fast because I'm throwing away the things that entangle me every day. I'm talking about greed, consumerism, and lust. I'm talking lies, hate, and distrust. These things, they're like weeds you don't notice at first, but let them be, and they'll take you away in a hearse, because that's what they do. You're not just okay. You're being killed on the inside, unsure of your last day. Like Peter looking at Jesus and walking on water, it wasn't until he turned his gaze to the waves that he began to falter. Don't let it be so with you. Keep your eyes on him, the author and perfecter. Keep your eyes on him, our soul's redeemer, the Lord of all hosts, the King of all kings, the only method of deliverance from our sins. We have been set free. We have been redeemed. We have become heirs. We have no need. We have no lack because our King has got our back, but we can only see him. And we're looking at him. So turn around and fix your eyes. It's time to despise the lies. Where are, where are, where are your eyes? Isn't it funny how all we have to do is look in the right direction? There's a Pentecostal in the house. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that amazing words? Uh, where are your eyes? We only need to look in the right direction. It's what we're speaking about this morning. Uh, as we continue our series on do not be anxious for anything. We're looking at the passage in Philippians chapter 4 where uh, Paul is in Rome. He wanted to preach. He wanted to, to to share the gospel, but he's finding himself once again in chains. He's been there before, uh, but he doesn't have the view of being downcast. He actually writes, I'm act- this is actually being used to forward the gospel. This is, uh, my chains are actually, the purpose is God actually using the chains, he's actually using my position, he's actually using the circumstance that might bring me down to actually advance the kingdom. I wonder if we have that same attitude of Paul. When we find ourselves in circumstances that weigh us down, when we're finding that uh, life is hard, we're finding COVID restrictions upon us again, do we, do we delve straight into that mindset of everything is bad? Or do we have that mindset of Paul, it's like, how is God going to be using this? How is God going to be advancing his kingdom through this situation and through me and through my attitude? as I look to Christ. And so we're, we're looking at this series, Do Not Be Anxious for Anything. Uh, if you weren't here last week, just quickly, we, we looked at um, how uh, Elijah 
was someone who, after an amazing time, found himself in a spiral of depression. And he's there under a bush wanting to die, but God graciously comes to him. And that is the gospel, that we know that God is with us in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our suffering. There was God who fed him, uh, who rested him, and then he spoke to him in a cave. He didn't speak in in thunderous ways, in the earthquake, in the thunder. Sometimes he does speak to us like that to wake us up. But in his his vulnerability, there's the graciousness and the love of God as, as God comes to him in a whisper. And that whisper reminds us that he is close. He is there with us. And so last week we looked at that. In our pain, he is right there beside us. In fact, uh, in the passage from from, uh, Philippians, uh, if we look at the original sentence structure, it doesn't start with don't be anxious. It actually starts with the Lord is at hand. Do not be worried about anything. In the original uh, writings, isn't that interesting when you look at it that way? It's It's not a pushing, make this happen, don't be anxious, don't be anxious, don't be anxious. It's, hey, the Lord is at hand, (laughs) don't be anxious. And it's that perspective that we're going to be talking about this morning as we continue to look at this passage. So let's read it together. Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, it actually goes on, and I'm going to talk about these verses in a moment. Normally, we like to end it there, but let's just look at what Paul says after that. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things and the God of peace will be with you as we fix our eyes on whatever is lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. As we think about those things and set our eyes on those, the God of peace will be with you. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Now last week I talked about when he says don't be anxious about anything, I said put your hands up who's got that one under wraps and no one put their hands up, uh, which kind of shows our, our humanity but also the way that the Lord constantly puts in scripture do not fear, don't be anxious because he knows our being and how how we live. In the same way I might say who's able to rejoice in the Lord always? <laughs> In every situation. Who's able to do that? How is Paul in chains, in prison, able to declare and have this attitude of just praise, thanksgiving, gratefulness in his heart to always be rejoicing in the Lord and to be encouraging those who are in better situations than him to rejoice in the Lord always? How do we do that when we're upset? We've got a flat tyre when our financial stress has come and we're worried about our kids and their future, our, our jobs, circumstances around us. How do we rejoice in the Lord always? Well, for Paul and for you and I, it's about perspective. It's, how, it's where we fix our eyes. It's how we see things. How you see something affects how you're able to actually have this attitude of rejoicing. 
perspectives is basically how you see something. A, a situation can happen and Kathy might see it differently to me. That sometimes happens in our conversations. <laughs> because she has a different perspective to me. Uh, our perspective is how we see something. Joe and I were um, uh, using our Bible app uh, this week, and we used the Bible in a Year by Nicky Gumbel, and we were listening to him uh, speak it out uh, in the morning, and he, he gave this wonderful illustration that I just want to um, take and use this morning. As we look about how we see something and how perspective matters. In his book, The Vision and the Vow, Pete Grieg tells of how a distinguished art critic was studying an exquisite painting by the Italian Renaissance master Filippino Lippi. I think that's how you pronounce it. He stood in London's National Gallery gazing at the 15th century depiction of Mary holding the infant Jesus on her lap with Saints Dominic and Jerome kneeling nearby. I've got it here. This is the picture. But the painting troubled him. There could be no doubting Lippi's skill his use of colour or composition, but the proportions of the picture were slightly wrong. The hills in the background seemed exaggerated as if they might topple out of the frame at any minute into the gallery's polished floor. The two kneeling saints looked awkward and uncomfortable. Art critic Robert Cumming was not the first to criticise Lippi's work for its poor perspective. But he may well be the last to do so because at that moment he had a revelation it suddenly occurred to him that the problem might be his. The painting he was analysing with clinical objectivity was not just another piece of religious art hanging on a gallery alongside other works of art. It had never been intended to come anywhere near a gallery. Lippi's painting had been commissioned to hang in a place of prayer. Self-consciously, the dignified critic dropped to his knees in the public gallery before the painting. He suddenly saw what generations of art critics had missed. From his new perspective, Robert Cumming found himself gazing up at a perfectly proportioned piece. The foreground had moved naturally to the background while the saints seemed settled. Their awkwardness, like the painting itself, had turned from turned to grace. It was not the perspective of the painting that had been wrong. It was the perspective of the people looking at it. Robert Cumming on bended knee in a position of worship had found the beauty that Robert Cumming, the art critic, could not find. Now, I've tried to use 3D things, but it didn't really kind of work out right. <laughs> Isn't that a great example of the power of perspective? If we look at perspective and the, the, the root word, for to, it's the same as to perceive something or it means to look through something. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Perspective is looking through the lens of other things. Who remembers this? Everyone remember magic eye? Anyone struggle with to actually do that? Magic eye? If... Some of you are sort of struggling to know what I'm talking about. Magic Eye was something when I was a kid that sort of happened and it was a bunch of different things on the screen and you had to look at it in a particular way in order to see the 3D image in it. So, and, and one of the examples of, 
of the ways that they said to do it was either make your eyes out of focus, a bit cross-eyed, or they say to try and look through the picture. Try and look through the picture to the end. Now, hands up, anyone who's got it. June's got it, Dave's got it, Adam's got it, no one else has got it. You've got to look through the picture. I might put it up on Facebook later. You can. It's actually a picture, a picture of Saturn. There was a, there's a planet there with the rings around it. If you have the right perception, <laughs> you'll believe me. All right, very good. <laughs> See, perspective. Um, looking through, if we if we look at the hard situation, the thing that might bring anxiety in our life needs to be seen through, looked through the perspective of who Jesus is and what He has done for us. It needs to be looked through the perspective of the gospel. That's precisely what Anthony was praying this morning uh, in his prayers. And if we look at the set, the structure of the the passage in Philippians, we actually see this. Uh, in the structure of the way Paul was writing. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. And then in the middle section, we're talking about prayer and petition and not being anxious. And then he says again later, it's couched in, it's, it's surrounded by this perspective of praise, this perspective of gratefulness, this perspective of, of who God is. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, think about such things. So it's couched in, if you like. We like to go straight to the don't be anxious, but we don't see it through the perspective of gratefulness and thankfulness and praise. In fact, it's not the first time Paul's used this same structure. Uh, if you got an email this week about uh, the prayer night, you would have seen at the bottom a passage from 1 Thessalonians. It says, rejoice always. Say it again, rejoice. Oh, no. Pray without ceasing. Pray, with, present your requests to God, and everything give thanks. Think about such things. Be, be grateful. This is the will of Christ in you. So again, we've got this structure of praying, of presenting our requests to God, not being anxious about anything in the context of gratefulness and praise and thanks. He's basically saying, turn your eyes upon Jesus. He's, he's creating a modern worship song. He's, he's using this song as inspiration for his writing. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, guys. Look full in his wonderful face. And as you do that, as you compare the things that you worry about, as you can compare the things that are happening in your life, the strife, the financial things, the kids, the world, they grow strangely dim in the light of his glory grace. Friends, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Have the perspective of that. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Where are your eyes? Said the lady on the screen. It's all about perspective. I've got some examples of the reason why perspective is important, came across some pictures during the week. And what you might see at first is not actually what is true and, and real. And sometimes life's like that. Sometimes we only see it through the, the doom and gloom and not actually understand the perspective of how God might be using it or what he's done in our life and how that changes how we perceive things and how we look at things. So here we've got a 
beautiful planet. We were talking about Saturn before. It's actually not a planet. Someone was taking a picture with their iPhone with a, um, a thing, and it's a picture of the beach and waves. So the first thing we th- see is a planet, but no, it's a beach. Got another one. Speaking of planets, there's some wonderful planets in our solar system. Those are bottom of frying pans. <laughs> this one is, for you tech guys, it's a motherboard, isn't it, in a computer? Motherboard lighting up. Yeah, it's a cityscape from up high. That's right. You guys got that one nice and early. Here, obviously, we've got some bread. We're going to be breaking the bread this morning, so I'll put this one in. It's actually microwaved soap. Kids, don't try this at home, okay? (laughs) Microwaved soap. That's what happens when you microwave soap. Uh, Similarly, we've got a shell here picked up off the beach. Now it's butter on the end of a knife. Planets is is a bit of a theme this morning. Here we've got a nice picture from space of, of Earth. It's actually... Ice on the top of somebody's roof of their car. And the way that they've taken it, it's just, just looked like that. And this one next has to be my favourite. I think this is, is pretty amazing. Here we've got a picture of concrete or bark or something. This is actually an aerial view of New Delhi, India. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? What an amazing place. Perspective is important. How we fix our eyes, the way we see things is important. As we look at this, don't be anxious about anything. In fact, uh, came across this one, which is kind of funny, but it's also tragic. There's a guy on an island and he's been stuck there. Hallelujah, there's a boat coming. That's his perspective the other guy's been stuck on a boat for a long time. And he's like, hallelujah, there's land. <laughs> Depends on your perspective. Uh, some of you might know uh, Carolyn Leaf. Uh, I've got a bit of a, a bio here. She, she's a cognitive neuroscientist with a PhD in communication pathology and a Bachelor of Science in Logopedics and audiology, specialising in metacognitive and cognitive neuropsychology. <laughs> yeah, she's she's pretty smart. Uh, she says that seventy five and um, Hans talked about our you know mental health and things that we're seeing around us a couple of weeks back. Seventy five to ninety five percent of the illnesses that plague us today are a direct result of our thought life. It's important what we think about, how we, what we fix our eyes on, because a lot of the illnesses that we experience actually start with our mental world, what we think about. Do we have an attitude of, of woe is me, or do we have this rejoice in the Lord always, fix your eyes on whatever is good, whatever is noble? Do we fix our eyes on Jesus? In fact, the, uh, the, the young lady in the, the spoken word um, talked about Peter on the water and I love this, the story of Peter walking on the water. I've of, often used this uh, illustration. He, the disciples are afraid in the boat because they see this, this image, they think it's a ghost walking on the water and 
Jesus calls out to them and and Peter's there, says, Lord, if it's you, he replies, tell me to come to you on the water. And so Jesus says, come. Peter got down from the boat and he walked on the water and he came towards Jesus. See, when Jesus, when, when Peter had Jesus in his view, when he had his eyes on Jesus, he, was, he wasn't aware of his circumstance and the danger and the anxiety that might come across you as you're walking on water. But it says, then he saw the wind and the waves. It's like, it doesn't say it, but it's like he looked down. He, he took his eyes off his gaze of his saviour. And as he did that, he was afraid. And he began to sink and cry out, Lord, save me. But again, don't, don't just love the theme of grace all through scripture. Even though he fell, even though he failed, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And it's the same with us. Sometimes we take our eyes off Jesus. Sometimes we take our eyes off the perspective that he wants to have to rejoice in the Lord always. And even when we do, he's there to reach us and grab us and pull us up. In fact, um, Stephen Furtick, uh, some people like him, some people don't. I think sometimes he's a little bit off, but when he gets it, he's really on song. He said this, the perspective, that the presence of God, so the presence of God for Peter in the water there, won't always fix your problems, but it will clarify your perspective. See, sometimes God's presence with us, in what we talked about last week, it doesn't change our circumstance. Sometimes he doesn't do anything about the things that cause pain and anxiety, but his presence clarifies our perspective. It helps us to see those things in a different light and in a different way. So Paul encourages us to have the mindset of a perspective of rejoicing and gratefulness rather than focusing on the situation. Now for Paul, this wasn't the first time that he found himself in prison. I mentioned that before. Uh, in Acts chapter 16, he's, he's again in prison. Paul and Silas there. And I'll just love... The, the verse that says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing sims, hymns to God. Man, talk about crazy circumstances. Talk about pain and suffering. They're there in prison. They, they're not wondering if they're going to live. What should we do? Hey, let's have a worship time. <laughs> and what I love about this is that their praise, their gratefulness, their thankfulness isn't based on their rescue. They praise before the miracle. Obviously, we, we know the story, the earthquake happens and they, they get out. But their praise happens before it. Their, their, their focus, their perspective of gratitude is for who God is. And what he has done in Christ. And that is enough to bring about this attitude of praise and thankfulness. Then the earthquake happens. And so our praise and our gratitude, our perspective, isn't God, you're going to fix it. Or God, you fix the situation. Now I can praise you. Now I can thank you. No, it's Lord, I'm in all situations. I'll rejoice in the Lord always, even if you don't get me out of this. Sometimes 
he doesn't, but his presence changes our perspective. So we're praising him for who he is and what he's done, not for what we think he's going to do for us. It brings ourselves perfectly into communion as we look to Jesus, what he's done for us, his sacrifice on the cross. I don't know about you, but when it says turn your eyes upon Jesus, I always picture myself looking up to Jesus as he is the risen saviour, as he is my Lord. Uh, I don't know if that's the same for you. But as I was thinking about that this week, as I turn my eyes to Jesus, as I sort of look up rather than looking down, I was reminded of the centurion at the cross when he saw the way Jesus died. It says this in Mark chapter 15. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus looked up and he saw how he died, he said, surely this was the Son of God. And that's what we're going to be doing this morning as we take communion together. And what I encourage you to do is to look up. Ask, where are my eyes? Help me to have a perspective of what is done on the cross. May my situation be couched in and surrounded by and looked through the perspective of the gospel. Because as I turn my eyes to Jesus, the things of this earth, they're not going to matter at the end of time. (laughs) The things that we worry about and stress over, yes, yes, it's important. And yes, those things are real. But the gospel, what the cross shows us is that we have a hope in Christ, that he's returning and one day he's going to put an end to all this suffering and all of this, at the end of the day, is not going to matter in the light of his kingdom coming and being made known. So I want to read to you the words of institution by the Apostle Paul. He said, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it. It's the new covenant. There's a new way. We don't need to bring sacrifice offerings to God in order to find forgiveness and to be connected with him. Jesus is our sacrifice. He is the blood that is shed for us. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we're going to play a video And what I encourage you to do is perhaps come out in family groups so that we're not close to each other with restrictions this morning. And the cup and the bread are separated. You don't need to touch something that someone else has touched. So maybe this side can come down first. Grab the bread and the wine and and take it back to your seats. We're going to eat and drink together. But what I want you to do...
is as you're listening and watching the video, I want you to take the things that are troubling you. I want you to take the things that are causing anxiety in your life, the things that um, may seem all overwhelming. And as you, you hold the bread that signifies his broken body, and as you hold the cup which signifies his blood shed for you, help that to shed light on and give perspective to that situation. And you can present your prayers to God and you can ask him to be with you uh, in that situation and ask him to move and, and, and to work in that situation. It, it may not, there may be no miracle, but he's with you. Or he might move to do something in your mind as you do that. So that's what we're going to do. Come down, grab the bread and the wine, come back to your seats, hold it, and then we're going to eat and drink together. So we do as our Lord commanded us to do, as we eat the bread and drink the cup, we proclaim the Lord's death. But I just want to just take a moment. In, in the, the verse from Philippians, it says, in every situation, by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your requests. Lord, I just want to pray for that every situation that is happening right now in people's lives whether people at home or people here, Lord, as they've focused on the thing that is bringing anxiety, we know that we can come to you in prayer and petition, just like the art critic who's on his knees and can see now that thing in different light. With thanksgiving in our hearts, we can come to you. Thankfulness, gratefulness. Lord, we thank you for your mercy for your love, for your grace that covers every situation. Lord, I just want to pray right now for those who are, who are really anxious. Lord, may as they set their eyes on you this morning, as they take this bread and this cup that signify your death, your sacrifice for them, that they would see your love, that they would see your face shining down on them, and that the thing that causes this anxiety would just grow strangely dim in the light of your sacrifice. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So take and eat the body of our Lord Jesus. And drink and drink of his blood. Because of time, we're going to end the service there. But our musicians practiced a song this morning that I think continues to, to speak into and to minister for us. 
So I'm going to um, say you can uh, go get your kids, you can grab a coffee now. Uh, but for those who just want to linger a bit longer, those who want to continue to fix their eyes on Jesus, you might maybe want to come down the front um, as the musicians are going to sing this song. And, yeah, you might want to do that. Uh, just a reminder that there's prayer if you've come with any specific need. Uh, we are a praying church and we just love to present our requests to God and ask him to, to move in those situations. So if you've come with a specific need, the, the prayer room is open. There'll be someone there ready to pray with you. But I just want to end the service now uh, for our kids that are out there. But as we sing this song, if if there's something that's going on in, in your heart, uh, if God's just wanting to just do a little bit more and minister to you, I encourage you to just come down and just close your eyes and allow this song as we speak of what we just spoke about, the living hope that Jesus, he died, but he rose again to give us new life in him, to give us hope for eternal future, that that reality might change your perspective this morning. The truth of that might do something in your hearts. So Lord bless you as you go into your weeks this day.